day to you all and a warm welcome to the Grey Lit Cafe podcast brought to you by Frontinus Limited. Frontinus is a communication consultancy focused on engineering, infrastructure, sustainability, and research. With you today is Inji Musa, political scientist and teaching associate at Cambridge University, and I'm very honored to be accompanied by Mr. Anthony Haynes, creative director of Frontinus, in this edition of our podcast, which focuses on posters. Greeting, Mr. Anthony. Greetings, Inji. So having worked on some posters before, I must admit that creating a good poster is a very challenging and demanding task. I know, however, Mr. Anthony, that you have worked with many student professionals who have been involved in this process, and I'm really keen to learn from your experience and expertise today on this topic about the three main pitfalls you most commonly encounter as well as how to overcome them, really. So what would you say is the first main pitfall that poster creators fall into? Okay, well, thank you. I've, I've chosen this approach because actually I find there are a number of pitfalls that people regularly fall into. So to some extent, they're predictable. I think the first one, overwhelmingly most important, is people generally try and put too much information onto one poster. And when I say they try to put too much on, I don't really mean that they try to put 10% too much data on or 15% too much information. I mean, they put two, three, four times as much information as you can comfortably have on one poster. So you end up with a, a poster that's very cluttered and very difficult to access. And how would you advise navigating that issue of like overcrowding poster? Well, I think the first step is actually simply to be aware that that's a problem and that unless you do something about it, it's likely to happen when you do a poster. So awareness takes you quite a long way. I think also it's important to try and see the poster as it will be in real life. A lot of people work on their poster just, you know, on a desktop or a laptop and and they never think about, well, how does this look when it's not on my computer screen? So either by printing off a dummy or simply setting up a projector so that you can have a an image projected which is roughly the right size of the poster that will enable you to see how it looks and for instance you might well find at that point that something that looks like quite a short line of text on your computer screen when it's projected onto the wall suddenly looks like a longer line of text so try and see it in its real life dimensions definitely yeah and what about the second main pitfall that you often encounter then i think i put second a pitfall that's actually very easy to overcome. It's a question of navigability. So when someone is looking at your poster, they need to know instantly not only where to start reading, but also where do you go next and where do you go next and where are you supposed to finish reading? And let's take an example where that goes wrong because it often does go wrong. Supposing you've got um, a quadrant structure. So you've got two rows, two columns, you've got four panels of information. And if you're writing in English, people will instinctively go to the top left panel and read that one first. But then there's a question of, well, where do you go next? And unless it's made clear to people, some people might go down to the bottom left and some people might go to the top right. And if it's unclear, you don't want that because that means people have to pause and make a decision. That's an unsatisfactory experience. And what's worse, they might make the wrong decision and the box that they read second was the one that you designed for them to read third. So it's very easy to solve this. I mean, you either put arrows on the 
poster to indicate a reading path, or you put you know big bold numbers to number the segments so they can see the path through the poster, or do both of them because no one will ever object to you making it clear how they're supposed to read. Yeah, definitely, definitely, yes. Um, and what about the third one then? So there's a distinction to be made between a poster and a poster presentation. And often when people are invited to do a poster presentation, they translate that request in their head into doing a poster. So you'll hear people say, I've been asked to do a poster or I've got to do a poster rather than I've got to do a poster presentation. But there's a big difference because there's more to a poster presentation than a poster. There are, in fact, three elements to a poster presentation. So the first element is the poster itself. The second element is yourself, because very often in conferences, there's a, a session where people can come and look at your poster and you're standing next to it or you're presenting it online. So you have a chance to talk to the people who are looking at your poster and have a conversation about your poster. So that conversation that you have is the second element of the poster presentation. And then the third element, potential element, which is often forgotten about, is the takeaway. So you can have something like a business card or a handout that you can give people to take away. Or another version of that is a QR code. So you have a QR code on the poster and people can follow the QR code and that will take them to more, more information online. It's a bit like supplementary information with a journal paper and it's extremely valuable. So for example, if you have a piece of A3 paper and you fold it so you've got four sides of A4, that gives you quite a lot of room to put extra information on that's not on the poster. And you can then say to the person you're talking to, well, you know, thank you very much for your interest. By the way, I've prepared this handout. May I just give you a copy before you go? And then they can take it away and read it over a cup of coffee or whatever. This not only helps the reader to have more information, but it also, to go back to my first point, it helps you to avoid the temptation of putting too much onto your poster. Yes, so that's really solved the first one where you feel like you have to put everything in and people are gonna miss out. But when we have extra handout with you or um, if it's even a link to your QR code, then you feel comfortable enough to put links <clears throat> in your posters, yes. That's right, it gives you an escape route, I think. It makes you feel the idea is not, not wasted. But um, I'll tell you what, Inji, you're asking me questions about posters, but I know you've presented posters. In fact, I know that you won an award at University of Cambridge for your poster. So let me turn the tables and ask you, what's, what's, your, what's your tip? Okay, so to be honest, as I said, it's a very challenging thing to create a poster. And I think all the tips you, you kindly shared with us today would have made things much easier for me. But maybe one thing that have not been mentioned yet uh, today is the idea of color choice. So I really struggled with which colors would best uh, work for my topic because my topic is kind of quite harsh. It's on security, uh, but also which colors combination would work fine on the screen as well as on, in print, which is very different. On the screen, colors looks very nice and very kind of harmonious. 
But once you print them out, you feel like, no, that's not actually the feeling that I wanted to give to my topic or my my audience when they see it. So definitely be mindful of what colors are you going to choose for your poster. But also going back to your first advice in printing them out to see whether there are too much. Also, when you print them out, take a careful look at the colors. If they don't feel that they work together, then just change them. Don't feel like it's too late. No. Colors are the easiest thing to to change when you are determined um, that they are not the best. Any advice on your side on this idea of colors? Well, I think that I like what you said about that. And I, I recognize in particular how often when you print things out, they don't look the same as they do on the screen. I think the one point I'd add is that it's important to bear color blindness in mind. And if you're not color blind yourself, it's very easy to forget this. I believe the most common form of colour blindness is difficulty or inability to distinguish between red and green. And this actually occurs quite a lot. You know, people will think, oh, I'll put the advantages of something in green and I'll put the disadvantages of something in red. But if you've got green, red colour blindness, that doesn't help you. Um, the second most common form of colour blindness concerns blue and yellow. And people use blue and yellow a lot because they actually often look very nice together, but it causes problems for colorblind people. So there are various apps, if you search on the internet, there are various apps which will help you detect where an image that you're creating is likely to cause some sort of problem for people with visual impairment. The one that I've used most commonly with researchers is called VizCheck. I'll put the links to these resources in the show notes but you can just basically there are apps where you cut and paste your image into the app and it it diagnoses problems for you. Excellent. That is very, very helpful indeed, especially that, like, as you mentioned in your first point, the idea of awareness that there is too much, also the awareness that maybe you are looking with a different eye than other people will look at Mm. your poster is very, like, be mindful, basically, of who is going to look at your poster is definitely very helpful. Uh, and since you mentioned one website or actually that kind of a category of apps for people to look at, any other recommendation for resources you wish to share now with us, aside from the ones that we are going to add to the show notes? Well, I'm going to be rather immodest and recommend the resource that I wrote, which is in the Writing Protocol series. It's a practical resource called Writing, Designing and Presenting a Poster, which summarises in concise form some of the things we've discussed today. But actually, one of the reasons I recommend that is it's it's not quite as immodest as it might sound. I recommend it partly because it gives references to other resources. And the the one I particularly like to mention is a website. It's called Designing Conference Posters by Colin Purrington, who's a bit of a sort of guru on, on research posters. And he gives plentiful advice very practical advice excellent thank you so much Mr. anthony for um this tip for all the tips you shared today and for joining me uh, in today's episode really it was an honor and pleasure been a pleasure thank you inji and thank you all for listening this has been inji musa with anthony haynes gray lit cafe is edited by uh, dr bart hallmark and produced by frontinus limited Frontinus specializes in grey literature forms such as proposals, publications, papers, and reports. The music is from Handel's Water Music, courtesy of the United States Marine Band and Marine Chamber Orchestra. See you next time. Bye.